you gotta write with intention. If you are like, I wanna write progression fantasy, then you have to write progression fantasy, right? And you've gotta do it as best as you can. You, know, you go in there, you have an idea, you do it, you put it up there, and if it fails, you go, okay, why did it fail? You figure out what killed it, what went wrong. This is the Crit RPG Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Lit RPG, Progression Fantasy, and Royal Road. Hi, and welcome everyone to the Crit RPG Podcast, the only podcast where your host is recording three podcasts in a day because he has no life. With me today is Actus, not representing Aethon, but himself today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Really glad to be able to come back this time just to talk a little more casually and not worry too much about numbers. Well... Okay. Oh, worry about numbers, but different types of numbers. Numbers must go up. Yes. Yeah, sounds good. I mean, introduce yourself. Who are you to those people who don't know? Uh, yeah, I'm Actus, as you've already said. I've been writing for about 13 years now, only Ooh. three of which on Royal Road. I opened, yeah, in like 2020. I got fed up self-publishing on Amazon, so I found out that web serials exist. <laughs> so I hunted around a little bit. I found Royal Road. And I didn't have a like a book at the time. So I just wrote on the spot my first series called Requiem of the Sea. It took me like 10 minutes to come up with the name. It was hot garbage. But I think I got more readers on Royal Road than I'd ever gotten on Amazon, even with that. And so from then on, I was hooked. And I've been writing mm-hmm. a few thousand words. Started with like a thousand a day. Now I'm up to like six or seven thousand a day. And yeah, it's just kind of been writing since then. I guess my most recent novels, if anyone would recognize them, are either going to be My Best Friend as an Eldritch Horror or Return mm-hmm. of the Runebound Professor. I have a few others that shall not be named for very depressing <laughs> Amazon yeah. releases. But... I mean, it could be worse. You could be writing Steampunk Pirates. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm never going to live that one down, man. Like, I'm so sorry. I, you know, I'm usually not, not this kind of person, but everyone I talk to has this cool friendship with you where they rib you and you kind of rip them back and this kind of stuff i'm not susceptible to this because i cry a lot if people like <laughs> if i think people don't like me but it's i don't know i, I got sucked into it and i really apologize no I, I think steamforge sorcery deserves to be flamed that was a result of my pride i knew steampunk was dead but i thought i could write steampunk in a way that people would read it again And I deserve to suffer for that hubris. Let that be a message. I think it's good to push boundaries and push genres and really try to find something you like. But if you're writing not to just to enjoy it, but also to make money, don't think you can do what's never been done before if your goal is to make money. If your goal is to write for passion only, go ahead. Please do, because I love steampunk and I wish there were more in the genre. Did you read Time Flies? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, it's so good. Yeah. But, like, think of, like, okay, Steamforge Sorcery, Time Flies, name a third that's in the genre. Let me, let me Google that. <laughs> yeah, and I hope I haven't offended anyone who's written that book, and, you know, I've probably just forgotten it. But, like, again, it, it, the genre just isn't there, unfortunately, so don't do what I did. That was a mistake. Hmm. It's kind of true. I mean, it's the same thing with space opera sci-fi. Yeah, that stuff's really hard to get into now. There's one that's really good, and I want to give this the person again a shout out. It's a finished book. You can read the entire thing. It's on Best Finished. It's called The Ages That Never Was, slash Here Kitty Kitty. It's by, I forgot his name, unfortunately, but one of the first people to ever like comment on my, on my story. I didn't even know who he was. But it's a, it's a really cool story about, well, The Ages That Never Was, so it's sci-fi in space with David Hasselhoff and like all these like 80s references and uh, cool laser guns and... 
a girl and her cat, but mostly the cat, are doing shenanigans in space. It's really fun. Cool. I don't read like a ton of sci-fi myself. I'm very like, I'm the, I, you know, the, the stereotypical world road reader. I like yeah. isekai, fantasy, lit RPG. I remember one. It is not super popular yet, I think. Um, and I think it's a good shout out for steampunk. Violet Reborn as a Dungeon Court in a Steampunk World. Oh, well, I have not seen that one. Finally, I get to do what this podcast was supposed to do. Connect really big names to things that are a little bit smaller, maybe, but have some potential. So when did it come out? Six months ago. Okay, so it's been out for a bit, but it hasn't gotten any momentum quite yet. Yeah, 388 followers, 91 favorites by Apollo 149. It still has a chance for Rising Stars, I think, maybe. I, the Rising Stars algo keeps changing, so I can't remember if it's still possible. I think it might have already been on Rising Stars, but that's where I saw it. Oh, really? Oh, okay, then never mind. It, it, it might have, or it might have like skirted it, or it might have been on the sci-fi uh, Rising Stars that I sometimes look into and cry because my novel isn't on it. <laughs> so. Yeah, Rising Stars is, is always an interesting game to play. I mean, Real World as a whole, you kind of have to... Not every book that is successful is going to be successful on Royal Road and vice versa. Yes, exactly. So you, you do kind of have to pick and choose like, or find a balance. It, mm-hmm. depending. Again, it, it all kind of depends on what your goals are with writing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I talk about this in every podcast, how I'm going to rewrite my book and all this kind of stuff. But in the end, I'm just going to freaking finish it, push it out, and then hope for the best. Because some books don't do well on Royal Road, but they do amazingly on Kindle Unlimited. Cozy Fantasy, yeah. for example. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I love Cozy Fantasy. I haven't gotten the chance to write a ton of it recently. I did kind of open like my career with Cozy Fantasy, Morkster Chef. Like, I don't yeah. count Requiem of the Sea because that one didn't ever make it to KU. What was it about? <laughs> it was my great love for pirates. It was a pirate novel before I... Unfortunately, pirates and steampunk kind of go hand in hand in that people don't want to read them too much. One Piece is amazing. It's what like inspired me. But One Piece is kind of like when people are like, oh, I want to read about pirates, they go read One Piece. I don't think One Piece is necessarily a pirate story. That's very true. But like the pirate setting is enough. Uh, that's not true. I, I always considered One Piece more of a... It's sliders but with way more OP characters and people can't touch water. I haven't heard of the Sliders. Sliders is this show where they get pulled into a new dimension every week. Oh, interesting. It was, I think it's like an 80s, 90s kind of thing. It was really interesting. It was like always a parallel dimension and something else has happened to Earth at some point and like timelines diverge and stuff. Um, yeah, I see what you're saying. Because like in mm-hmm. One Piece, like they're always in like a different island. So yeah, exactly. Keeps, I see keep, that. Keeps it fresh. Yeah, it does. No, One Piece is incredible. And that, I was like, I'd love to do that. And also, I like pirates. So it's like, surely I can pull this off. I could not. <laughs> I still like to sneak pirates into my novels, but no more novels that are only about pirates. Hmm. What's a pirate's favorite letter of the alphabet? R. You might think it'd be the R, but a pirate's true love will always be the C. Yeah, as a pirate, I'm going to steal your joke. <laughs> it's okay. Captain, the cannons be ready. R. The cannons are ready. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, pirate jokes are fun. I don't particularly even like pirates, but pirate jokes are fun. Uh, no, I love pirates. But yeah, there's there's another one I recommend against new authors. Probably don't. I mean, okay, actually, no. Do pirates because I love reading about pirates. Mm-hmm. But don't do pirates if you want to make money because that will not work in your favor. Yeah. Have you read Kratos? Kratos. I don't Ma- think Maxi- so. I have read Virtuous Sons, though. It's, that's Maxime's Greek pirate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have to read that one. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. of it. 
I haven't read it yet. I read Virtuous Sons, which is, I mean, not exactly pirates. It's more like, I don't know if it's pirates at all, honestly, but it's good. What makes a pirate novel a pirate novel for you? I mean, we talked about One Piece and not it. I think it's very subjective, honestly. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's just the vibes. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, you could have a pirate novel that has absolutely nothing to do with, with like sea-based pirates. You could have land. I mean, those are bandits, but still. I don't know. I think it's, I think the combination of killing readership is pirates plus ocean because ocean-based seafaring novels, I think they're very difficult to write mm -hmm. because it's like One Piece because in the end, it's not really based in the sea. It's based yeah. in the places you go most of the time. And if yeah. not every single place is really interesting because there's so much world building that you now have to do, mm, it's, it mm. definitely makes things harder. And I think people in general are just like, okay, you're not going to be attached to a location, which means you're going to have a lot of side characters that you cycle through. And let's be real, in this genre, side characters typically aren't the best written characters. Like, I've seen a ton that are fantastic, don't get me wrong. And I, you know, I think we all try to write good side characters. Yeah. But if you look at the genre as a whole, I'd say we definitely struggle with every character that's not one of the main cast. They're usually kind of... Just, just due to like the, the way the genre works in which you have to write so quickly. You don't mm. really... Some authors do it. I do my best, right? But there's still, I think, a distinct lack of side character quality on average in mm. just in this genre. Because you, know, you have to write really fast. You don't have time to really flesh every single thing out. So a lot of the time, the side characters kind of suffer from that. Yeah, I think so too. But there's recently been, I feel as though... So back when Royal Road became big like three, four years ago, right? You could just write really snappy stuff and that didn't really have to have a lot of like prose or something like that. It was all about, hey, here's this idea and I just want to see where this idea goes. Basically, it was... But when I didn't know what lit RPG was, I read Arcane Ascension. Oh, yeah. And I said, I was like, this is like someone writing down his D&D campaign. And it's good, right? But I think, for example, Azeroth Healer, the original on Royal Road, is basically that. Like, Rhaegar went out and said, I want to write a book where numbers go up and my main character punches things and does cool adventure shit. That's the entire premise of Azeroth Healer. And we'll just see where it goes. And that's perfectly viable, and it was well-written, and the dopamine spiral was enough to carry you. Right. This is different now, I feel like. So you have people who have been doing this for a long time. You've been writing for 13 years. Honoré has been writing for 15 years. Maxime has been writing nonstop for six years plus. And at some point, you're gonna, like, you can't help it. You will get some skill. So um, Right, yeah, I'm definitely not arguing that. I definitely, like... Yeah. Wait, sorry. Oh, yeah. The point I was trying to make was, and now you have all these big names who have skill now and who write very skillfully and write cool prose. So you cannot get into Royal Road as easily anymore. If Rhaegar wrote Azeroth Healer today, it wouldn't be a hit, I think. I, I will agree on, yeah, Royal Road is definitely much harder, especially Rising Stars, is much harder mm -hmm. than it's ever been. Um, yeah, that's true. People are very, not entitled, I don't want to say that. Um, not entitled, but people yeah. are used to higher, they're definitely very much used yes. to higher quality stuff. Yes, that's true. And, you know, obviously as authors, we'd all like to think we've been improving and getting better. It's hard to judge your own work. What are you talking about? I'm thinking that I'm the best person ever and there's no way for me to improve. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not gotta, true. I have so many doubts. <laughs> no, you gotta, you just got to keep pushing. It's the only thing you can do. Keep pushing with intention. As with any other birth. Yeah, I actually would say I don't. Maybe it's just because I'm really picky. 
I don't think the average prose on Rural Road is very good. And I include myself in that. I think my prose is plain, which I do intentionally. I like yeah. plain prose. But even still, I think, like, if, like, I know a lot of people whose prose isn't fantastic, but their yeah. stories are good. And that's still enough exactly. to do really, really, really well on Rural Road. In the end, the prose is a vehicle. Yeah, exactly. And there are some authors that just have absolutely beautiful prose, right? Yeah. And that helps. But I would say that, to be totally honest, like, I don't think you need good prose. Yeah. You need good prose for me to read your book. <laughs> but okay, so on, you heard it here first. If you want access to read your book, you have to write good prose. I'm very picky. I won't like leave reviews or anything like that unless I really, really like a novel because I don't want people to leave bad reviews on mine, right? So I'm yeah. not going to go leave a review saying like, oh, the prose oh. is bad. I'm not reading this. Like, it's just rude. It doesn't yeah, matter. it's whenever you get a bad review, there's always this kind of like little urge for a few seconds where you're feeling attacked and angry. And you're thinking like, hey, what hobby do you like? So I can come by and yell at you for not doing it right. <laughs> Most of the time when I see bad reviews, I check their profile. Mm -hmm. And generally, it's someone who goes through and like hates everything they read. And so I just kind of laugh. When it's not, when it's like a legitimate one, I try to like, I try to take criticism. It's usually like actual criticism is useful. Yes. But what I've noticed is most of the time, they've got no idea what they're talking about. And like the real good feedback comes from your comments which can also be toxic. But like what usually I'm looking for is like when multiple comments all agree on something, mm -hmm. like, hey, I didn't really like this chapter or something like that. Then I'm like, oh, I screwed up. I did something wrong. Yeah. yeah but I usually agree. when it's a reviewer, it's mm -hmm. a lot of the time it's like, oh, this is just some dude who's salty because your main character didn't murder every woman and child in the general radius. Yeah. The worst comments are those that are right, but not kind. When you read something and you're like, yeah. oh, no, they're correct. I did screw up right? Where they're like, this is bad, this is bad, this is bad. And then they give you like a rating where it's obvious that they want to like your story, but they just can't make themselves give you like a four star, five star. Yeah, those hurt because you know they're legitimate. Yeah. I got like a few like that and man, they hurt. I think those are the ones I appreciate though. It's good to have them because you do yeah. need that. And, and to be honest, okay, if, some, if one person leaves a bad review for people like me who have like 100, 180 followers, shit hurts like yeah especially with smaller novels like novels that haven't picked up speed yet yeah i'd say I mean, the, the, pro the problem is reviews are technically not for us they are for readers yeah right but the problem is and that and i totally get where you're coming from the problem is the fact that if you are small and you get a helpful three-star review if that was your first review your novel is dead i made a meme i did too i sent actors a meme which you can see the caption reads who would win an author pouring hundreds of hours into their craft or a random stranger on the internet with 10 seconds to spare in the keyboard. <laughs> this is very true. That's a very true comic, yeah. Yeah, I love seeing XK will occasionally send images of the reviews he's gotten, and he has some unhinged readers sometimes. If you are a friend of the kazoo ad, you have to be very, very strong now. I regret to inform you that Sherlaloon went and bought the tier that removes the kazoo ad from all podcasts and and now it's gone so you got Shirtaloon to thank for that on the other hand if you want to add the kazoo ad again there's a tier for that too thanks so much for listening and let's get on with the show <laughs> <sighs>
Yeah, I think one thing is important to keep in mind that many railroad readers aren't as mature as you think they are. So, and I don't mean this in a bad way. Many railroad readers are very young and it is would be unfair to hold them to the same social standards as, you know, like well-adjusted adults. Right. And again, like as much as we like to complain about reviews, and I certainly do, again, they're not for us. It just sucks that part of the system, and I'm not blaming Railroad for this because I can't think of how you would fix it, but part of the system is for people to find what novels they like, there need to be reviews. Yeah. Otherwise, no novel would ever get popular. So it's a necessary evil. I'd love if there was a magical way to fix it and, you know, kind of deal with the issues that come with it, then I'd love it. There are better ways because the systems you create shape the culture that is encompassed within a system. So if you create a system where you can say, I like it a little bit, five stars, 4.5 stars is okay. And four stars is, it wasn't really for me. Then you still have like six different ways of pressing that I didn't like it button very, very hard or even harder. That's very true. Netflix, for example, changed it. So you have, it wasn't for me. I liked it and I loved it. This creates a whole different culture. Not that like Netflix has a culture around itself, but it's also a way better indicator of someone who liked it, right? Because A, it favors towards the positive, And B, it's easier to say, I just liked it and I didn't love it than it is to say, how much did I not like it? You know? Right. Yeah, that's a good point. That's fair. Hmm. Yeah. Having in like a, not a five-star rating system, but like a, basically a three-star one or something like that. I could see that actually working pretty well. It's a good point. Going back to the main show, the question would right. be, we spoke a little bit about your, your old novels, but how did Return of the Roomba Professor come, come to be? Uh, so whatever I write, I'd like to have multiple projects. I like to have, originally I liked three. I, at first I liked three projects. I'm down to two now. I've found that I can't fully dedicate to myself when I have three. But I had finished Advent of Eternity. Or sorry, not Advent. I'd finished Team Ford Sorcery. I was into Gleam. And I'd finished Eldritch Besties. And I was kind of like, okay, I need to start a new novel. And I've been trying to go full-time for a long time as an author. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't quite there yet. Eldritch Bestie was like a step in the right direction when I hit Amazon. But it still wasn't quite where I needed it to be. And so I was brainstorming because I didn't want to do like a lit RPG. I have realized that I love reading lit RPG, mm -hmm. but I don't think my written lit RPG is fantastic. I write an outline and then I just write. I don't want to mm -hmm. stop my writing to put in stats. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of sitting there. I was like, okay, I love the elements of lit RPG, but I can't really write lit RPG that well. Mm -hmm. So I need to write progression fantasy, which I love. But again, the issue now is progression fantasy is a hard sell. You can do really well with it on Roll Road. But typically, lit RPG is better. Like, if you have a pure progression fantasy, it's a harder sell than lit RPG. What's the difference between the two of them for you? Stats. Lit okay. RPG is going to have levels and numbers. Progression fantasy can be like cultivation or any number of progression systems that aren't numerical. So you're saying all lit RPGs are progression fantasy, but not all progression fantasies lit RPG? Absolutely. Yes, I would say that. And I'm sure someone's going to lambast me for that, but I'm pretty sure that's accurate. I'd say every lit RPG does fall under progression fantasy, unless it's some... No, I can't even see. If it, lit RPGs, numbers goes up, right? It ha numbers have to go up. If you're not doing numbers go up in your lit RPG, your lit RPG is dead. And so, yeah, I'd say they all fall under progression fantasy. I wanted to write a prog fantasy. I didn't want, like, levels and numbers. And I was like, okay. I, and so I spent several months kind of just sitting there as, you know, I was finishing up my novels. It's like, how can I 
make an interesting progression fantasy system. That's not the stuff that we've already seen. Because generally what I try to do with my novels is I try to find a really unique premise. Maybe like, you know, some aspects of my writing aren't always perfect. But what I pride myself on is my premise. I try to make sure is always interesting and unique. Okay, I want to do an isekai. Isekais are fun because you can kind of play around with modern sayings and stuff. But I was like, so I want to do an isekai, but I don't want to just do a random, like, uninteresting cut of the mill isekai, even though I will read those like no tomorrow. It just won't be fun for me to write. So I was trying to think on what could make a system interesting. And I've always been partial to runic magic. And so I was kind of talking with people. I was talking to Zogarth, talking to XK. And I was like, man, I'm trying to figure out this rune system. And but kind of between like me and Zogarth, Zogarth helped a lot because he's mm-hmm. really, really good at making systems. We kind of chatted mm-hmm. for a few hours and I started putting pieces together. I was like, oh, okay. Kind of like a combination system because that normally what you see in the progression fantasy is you kill things, you get stronger. That's, you know, pretty standard. And I was like, that's cool. That's cool. I want to have more depth to the getting stronger part. And so that's kind of where the runes came in. I was like, oh, you kind of like collecting runes and like fusing them together. I found that really interesting. So oh. I kind of went deeper onto that. And so that's kind of where the system for Runebound came from. So kind of like Skyrim a little bit? I know this is sacrilege. I haven't played Skyrim. <laughs> I haven't played much of it either. But the, the thing is you kill dragons and then with the dragons you get runes and the runes make your shout or the words make your shouts better. Yeah, it's definitely a similar premise. I think the main thing that I think people enjoy for the system is that the runes actually combine. So the runes you get are really important. You basically get seven runes every level. Mm-hmm. So not actual levels, but they call them levels. You know, I got a little, little bit of an RPG tie in there, but by no yeah. means is it an RPG. It's game lit at most. You get seven runes, or like spots to put runes in. And there's different types and qualities of runes. And then once you have all seven, and you have to like fill them up, like each one's like an empty reservoir. So you mm-hmm. kill things, you get stronger, the energy goes into the runes, they fill up. Once you have your seven full runes, you need to combine them. Otherwise, you can't get any stronger. So if your runes cannot combine, they shatter and you either lose all your progress or you take soul damage. So like really, really severe drawbacks to messing up your combination. So what this does is it now makes, it's almost like a bad thing for in traditional prog fantasy because there is a chance of a severe downgrade, which is something you never do. Because again, like if you combine your runes poorly, you're kind of screwed. You either have like a worthless rune, which is taking up one of your slots and you can't get rid of it. Or you have like, you know, your runes break or you have soul damage. There's a whole bunch of things that can go wrong with the combination. So wait, you have seven runes as a person in general always? You have seven like slots for runes. Okay. You have seven empty holes in your soul that you can like fit runes into. No, I have more. Okay, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so the whole premise is like, yeah, you can combine runes. Whatever you can visualize, you can make that with some combination of runes. But the Mm -hmm. drawback is if you can't do it right or if your runes aren't correct or, you know, all sorts of like small, important things, Mm -hmm. it can go wrong and you can lose everything. So you're saying, yeah, you can ruin your build? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) This was almost a very intentional drawback I put in Mm -hmm. because it does two things for me. The biggest thing I think is very important to keep a, a cap on your power scaling and having it so that runes are difficult to combine and people don't know what the best combinations are. And the ones that do know those combinations don't share them. Like they're, they're very, very jealously guarded. And so okay. what this does is now it helps give a good reason as to why people aren't just strolling around like super powerful. 
because mm-hmm. most of them can't combine their runes well, and the ones that do don't share. But mm-hmm. the other thing is, I think it's a very important for a lit RPG or a progression fantasy to have some sort of, not necessarily a cheat skill, because I think cheat may be too strong of a word. An advantage. Yeah. Or even just something that sets your character apart and makes them different, right? Yeah. Like in everyone's favorite progression fantasy novel, Cradle, like Linden doesn't really have an advantage with his pure soul. At least not at first. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he is super far behind because of it, but it still makes him unique. And at least for me, that's what had me. I was like, oh, I really like this, that he has something that other people don't, even if it's not mm. yet better. Mm. And so I think that's super important. And so for Runebound, I really worked it in. And so Runebound's quote-unquote cheat is that the main character can cut his runes apart and put them back together. So he cannot fail his combinations because he makes a bad one, he takes it apart. Yeah. Right, and so what I've done there, and it was a very intentional choice of power because now I've removed that power down aspect, which readers would despise. And you can have more fun doing the the combinations. Yeah, that sounds good. Absolutely, because now I can have him completely butcher a combination. It can blow up in his face. And he goes, ah, crud, and he cuts it back apart. So mm-hmm. my readers don't have to be concerned that he's suddenly going to lose all of his magic. And becomes a farmer, okay. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. If I was going to twist the novel, Reincarnated as a Farmer is a good novel. I'm just saying. <laughs> it's a very good novel. <laughs> but yeah, so I think it's a very important thing for progression fantasy in general is the promise from the author to the readers that nothing's going to happen to the main character that breaks what you know is going to happen in the story. You know, like if Mm -hmm. your story is dark, then people can die. But if you have a lighthearted, happy story and you murder somebody, you're going to lose a lot of readers. That's true. Yeah. It's always about the promises. Yeah. All right. And about your second project? How did that come to be? So Runebound is my second project right now. I have two main novels running. I mean, I have technically three, but one of them is just about finished. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like finished on my end, just not in Railroad yet. So mm-hmm. I have Gleam and I have Runebound. Gleam uh-huh. is my isekai karma cultivator fantasy, which I've, I've been having a ton of fun with. I still really, really enjoy that one. It's coming out fairly soon in December on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think my opening for that is probably my favorite opening I've ever written, where my main character talks to a trucker who kind of talking about his life. And the trucker is the classic isekai like angel trucker. And he just hits him with his truck. <laughs> and he used to guys him. It was so much fun to write. I love that opening. But yeah, so Gleam, Gleam and Runebound are kind of what I'm working on right now. Okay. Oh, wait, I, you, you said Runebound is your second one, but Gleam has less pages. Oh, yeah. I kind of went crazy on writing Runebound. I definitely say Runebound is by far my main project. I focus Runebound very hard. Love the cover on, on Gleam, though. Gleam? Oh, man. If you want to see a good cover, look at the Amazon one. I Don't get me wrong, though. I adore the Gleam cover on Royal Road. It's mm-hmm. done by my good friend. But the Amazon cover is incredible. Let me, I'll send it to you because you're probably not going to be able to find it quite yet. It's not going to be in there. Okay, cool, cool, cool. It has no SEO yet because it just went up yesterday. But yeah, no, Gleam and Runebound, I have a lot of fun with. I definitely focus Runebound more. Of the 6,000 words I write, I try to do like 4,000 Runebound and then 2,000 Gleam. Is usually my goal. Can you do this on the same day? Yeah. Hmm, Okay. It's kind of sporadic. Uh, Over the summer, it's been really nice because I haven't had to worry about grad school. But I'll wake up. I'll usually like get breakfast. I'll write a chapter in about an hour for Runebound. 
that's assuming I already have like my plotting done. But like once I do, like I'll, I'll write a chapter for Runebound. Then I'll either slack off on Discord or you know <laughs> just talk to other authors for a few hours, and then I'll write another chapter of Runebound. Mm-hmm. And if, depending on how I'm feeling, sometimes because there's always like hills and valleys for writing. And when mm-hmm. I'm at the top of a hill, I you know I can put out like four or five chapters a day, and I'm feeling great. But mm-hmm. if I'm in a valley, it's like, oh man, it is a struggle to get even one chapter out a day. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, I'll do my second runebound chapter, maybe a third if I'm like feeling really good. And then if it's Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, I'll also do a Gleam chapter. Mm-hmm. Or again, if I'm just like kind of feeling it, I'll do another Gleam chapter because Gleam just got out of one of those valleys. So it's been a lot more en- enjoyable to write as of late. Yeah. So I'll usually try to aim for six to 8,000 words. I usually hit six. It kind of depends on like where Royal Road is because I, I want to keep my Patreon 50 chapters ahead for Runebound. Jesus Christy, 50. <laughs> yeah. Patreon's expensive. It's not cheap. Oof. 10 bucks a month. I really want to make sure people are getting oh, yeah. enough content to justify them paying me 10 bucks a month. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. for Runebound, 50 chapters ahead is about 100,000 words, which is in my eyes about a book. I honestly almost wish I could go to like 100 chapters ahead because I feel like that would be better. Yeah. And I could, like, in terms of logistically, I could do it. Mm-hmm. But I think the problem is what would that would do is that would make it so that you cannot unsubscribe. Because <laughs> yeah. if you are reading it 100 chapters ahead and you unsubscribe, you're never catching up. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not possible. So mm-hmm. 50 is, like, the sweet spot, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been thinking about patron pricing. Yeah, that's a good point. I think 50, personally, for me, I think 50 is a lot. Because I don't write 6,000 words a day. I take longer. I do the prose. So for me, it's like I'm average at about like 1.8K maybe. I still think that's good. I think as long as you are writing every day, as long as your schedule permits you, obviously, you know, people's life situations are different. But if you can write every day consistently, you're in a good spot. It's always good to push that number up. But, Mm -hmm. you know. If you write one page every day, after a year, you will have a novel. Yeah. Now, obviously, in, in our space, I would... It probably suggests to try to find ways to write more than one page a day. Yeah, I mean... But if you can't, yeah. like, if that's what you're dealing with, then yeah, plug away. Yeah, of course. And again, like, it's very unlikely that you are going to make a living off of writing. It's most likely going to be cake money at best, you know? Money you get, you get on top, like, maybe you get in a good advance and you can buy a new couch, something like that, right? So... It definitely, yeah. I guess one of, this is one of the things where I only have my own experience for it. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to say. I mean, it did take me like, yeah, 10 years before I saw any real amount of success. Mm-hmm. And by real success, I mean, wrote a novel that I wasn't net negative for. Did you continuously write for 10 years or did you take a break? It was continuous. I started like writing when I was like 10. Mm-hmm. So the quality of writing and the amount of writing... It's definitely much like I was telling stories and then I was writing. I published my first book when I was 12. Mm-hmm. It was awful. But I did get a review that went, this book reads like it was written by a 12-year-old. And as long as it isn't, it's terrible. And I took that as a compliment because I was like, well, I'm 12. So you are correct. Awesome. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I, it definitely wasn't like writing every single day, writing 500 words a day. No. Yeah. I think I wrote over those first 10 years I wrote around seven or eight books that are not full-length books by our standards, more like 60, 70,000 workbooks. Mm-hmm. The first 
book that I count that I actually wrote like real is Heir to Insanity, which was like my sophomore year of college. So like mm-hmm. 2019 through 2020, I wrote a single novel. And then I found Roll Road at the end of 2020. And that's kind of where things really kicked into gear. So even though I was very like, I don't want to say, experience is definitely the wrong word, but saturated. I've been like thinking about writing a lot. I had been writing over those 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, usually at least once a week I would write. Mm-hmm. You know, that schedule now is like nothing to me. But at the time that felt like a lot, especially because I'm doing electrical engineering as my major. So I didn't have a whole ton of time in undergrad. But yeah, after I found Roll Road, I, I made time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. For me, it's the same thing, except that I took a lot of break. I'm 34 now, so uh, I've been writing for a long time. I never finished a book, but I wrote a lot of yeah, like online role-playing, for example. So Yeah, yeah so you, you've got the experience. You've got the writing. But caveat is finishing a book is different than just yeah. writing prose. Although, to be fair, a uh, lot of novels in this space are never going to be finished. So... You suck at writing an ending, just don't write one. <laughs> I love making fun of Zogarth for this, but Primal Hunter will end the day Zogarth dies. It will not finish. I think it ends with Jake firing the sun into an enemy. There's just going to be a bigger enemy and a bigger sun. <laughs> I, yeah. I love Primal Hunter, but there's no shot. Like I've talked to him. He's like, no, I'm not ending it. Yeah, he said the same thing. Um, yeah, and granted, he might now purely out of spite end it, but... <laughs> yeah. No, like, I don't think so. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's good. I think it's good to, mm. to have an ending. All of my series do have an ending planned. But at the same time, there are days when I'm like, I don't want to read a series that has an ending. There's something comforting mm. about knowing that this series is going to be going when you are old and withered. Yeah. Because that is just what it is. It is the, the eternal story. You'll always have something to read. There's something good about that in a way. I'm not saying every book should be like that, but there's definitely a, there's a good appeal to it. So if you can't write endings, don't. <laughs> also, by the way, um, this isn't like something that only web serials do. Harry Bosch, it's the same thing. The guy literally said, like, I'm going to write about Harry Bosch until the day I die. Yeah. So I think it's totally fine. If you're really, really, really attached to something, then go for it. Keep writing it. Don't force yourself to do anything, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this is kind of looping back to our previous topic about like making a living writing. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say, like, because it's just not true that every single person can make a living writing, right? Not to say it's not like a skill issue or anything. It is just quite literally like circumstances. And luck does play a part, even though I wouldn't say it's the main one. But it is a big one. But I would say the problem with making a living writing is the thing you enjoy writing needs to be close enough to the thing that makes money. I think the issue that some people think is, they see, let's just take Primal Hunter because it's one of the, you know, or Defiance of the Fall, right? Yeah. They see these do really well and they're like, oh, I can do that. I can write a quote unquote generic lit RPG, even though, you know, it's generic because they kind of like set this, the terms of what generic is. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're like, oh, I can do that. Even, but they hate it. They're like, oh, this is so awful uh, to write. Yeah. It's so cringe. Mm. It's so stupid. But I could do that. I could make money if I did that. And, mm. No, the answer actually is no, you can't. Because it's not that easy to write a quote-unquote generic RPG. You need to make it interesting, right? And you might burn out. Yeah, exactly. Not only will you burn out, because you're right, you will. Your story will be lame. Because you're not going to like it, and it's going to be really obvious. 
But at the same time, I, at least what I do is I try to find the line of right on top of this is going to sell and I really enjoy writing this and you kind of mix them. Find that middle ground where there's enough overlap where you're hitting as much of the main market as you can mm -hmm. while still keeping close enough to what you enjoy that the book is something you actually like. Yeah. I think that's kind of the key in going like full-time. Like assuming you have the technical writing skill, which again, as we've covered, don't need that much, just needs yeah. to be readable. And assuming yeah. you have the passion for telling stories, I think it's just finding that ground where you can write that hits that actual large market, not just, you know, a very, very niche portion of it. It's got to be marketable. But from then you can kind of do your own stuff. Is that kind of also the best advice you've ever gotten as a writer? To what? To write what you like? Or yeah. I've gotten a lot of advice as a writer. I'd say no. Mm -hmm. I would not say that's the best advice. I'd say the best advice is to just keep writing. Okay. I'd say that by far the most important thing you can do is to, oh, not just keep writing, keep writing with intention. This is what I go by. You need to write to improve. And, mm -hmm. you know, the quality of writing is going to be dependent on the genre. Right? Like if you are writing romance every single day, and I love romance, right? If that is all you practice, and then you show up in progression fantasy with all of your romance practice, and you write a love triangle in progression fantasy, your ratings will hit one so quickly. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Catch fire and burn alive. Like, you got to write with intention. If you are like, I want to write progression fantasy, then you have to write progression fantasy, right? And you've got to do it as best as you can. You know, you go in there, you have an idea, you do it, you put it up there. And if it fails, you go, okay, why did it fail? Right? You figure out what killed it, what went wrong. Because it could be the cover. Usually it's not. But it could <laughs> be the cover, right? It could be the blurb. The blurb is huge. If your blurb is mm. bad, it doesn't matter how good your book is, it's dead in the water. Mm. Right? But if your blurb is good... Then, you know, is it your first chapter? Did you have a good cliff in your first chapter? And I'm mm. going to tell you, if your book failed, chances are you didn't. And like 99% chance. You know what? I'll put my money where my mouth is 100%. If your book failed, your cliff, your first like chapter did not have a good cliff. Unless, of course, your writing, like the technical writing just wasn't there. But again, I don't think the standards for technical writing are that high. Mm. So chances are it was like the first chapter did not have a strong cliff. Mm. Because... With World Road especially, your first three chapters are usually enough to pull you onto Rising Stars. Like if you have three incredibly good first chapters or super, super catchy, right? You're going to make it, almost certainly. Again, this isn't like a writing quality thing. Cliffhangers are really, really hard. Especially if you aren't writing to learn how to do a cliffhanger, right? You're not going to do a good one. And so that's what I mean by like writing with intention. You have to figure out what killed my book. Mm -hmm. And so it's this weird balance where you don't want, like you want to write a lot, but if you're trying to, if you're like determined to go full-time as an author or to really make money from writing, you can't dedicate yourself to a book. The book is temporary. If it does well, great, keep going. It doesn't have to do insane, right? If it's doing well enough that you're like, oh, I think it's got a shot on Amazon, you keep going, right? But if it crashes and burns, you need to figure out why it crashed and burned. And then honestly, you should drop it. Yeah. Which sucks, but again, if it crashed and burned, it probably doesn't have a ton of readers, so you're not going to disappoint that many people. And if you're approaching it from a stance of making money, if, if it like just completely demolished on launch, it's not going to, right? Mm -hmm. Which means, now, unless you're like, oh, maybe there's an Amazon angle, you know, mm -hmm. then it's a little different, but you are now taking a risk.
right? Because now you're like, okay, I'm going to put in a lot of time. You know, writing a book takes a ton of time and I'm going to yeah. edit it. I'm going to pitch to publishers or I'm going to self-pub, whichever you prefer to do. But you're going to put all this time in, if you're self-pubbing money into it. And also, like, I self-pub for a long time, zero success. This mm -hmm. is before any World Road stuff. So this is dry self-pubbing. So no one knows who you are, right? Mm -hmm. It's really hard. It's possible. But man, is it difficult. It's so hard. So my advice is always like, you know, take a look at what you've written and start with the genre. Is the genre actually something people read in progression fantasy? If you're on Royal Road, right? Because if you're writing a romance on Royal Road, of course, you're not going to get any sales. Mm. But you mean like views? Yeah, views or patrons or anything, right? You're not going to mm. get a lot of interaction because on Royal mm. Road, romance as part of an arc is like tolerated. And I love romance, so I'll, that's what I'll do. I'll put like romance into my books, but it won't be the core of the book. Yeah. Because that's not what Royal Road wants. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to go Amazon or Wattpad for that. But, you know, look at the genre. If you're like, no, the genre is correct. I'm, you know, I'm writing a lit RPG where a dude likes killing things. All right, you're great. You're in the right genre. Now you mm -hmm. look at the next thing. Like, is my hook good? Like my opening paragraph, does it have a good hook? And if not, that's actually sometimes okay. But that now means your blurb has to really, really carry you because your blurb needs to give that hook instead, mm -hmm. right? So if you don't open with like a really banger opening like paragraph or two, you need to have something to get readers to, you know, keep going. So usually what that means is your blurb has to be like, oh, he's going to get the super cool power, right? So even though your opening chapter, your opening paragraphs don't say that power, the reader knows it's going to happen. Right. Mm -hmm. So they'll read your first chapter and that's it. So if you have either the blurb or the first, you know, a few paragraphs or hell both. Great. Now you have to look at the cliff and the cliff yeah. is usually where I found I failed. The cliff is hard. You're making me feel very anxious. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely not trying to like stress you or anything. Like I think there's always spots for a you know, book to do well and there's different spots for marketing angles and all of that. And also, like, you can change first chapters pretty easily from what I found. Because mm. your cliff doesn't necessarily need to be, like, your character about to die, right? In Isekai, it has to be. In Isekai, yeah. But it's got to be something that, like, gets your character. Mm. Your goal with the web serial. And again, once you're mm. Amazon, it's different. Like, the whole thing is different. This yep. is only for Roll Road. Your first chapter needs to end in a way to get people to click to your next one. Yeah, okay. I got what you mean, yeah. So I totally agree. It's, it's important to mention this, that, again, Amazon is not Railroad, and Railroad is not Amazon. So if you're writing slow burn traditional fantasy, sometimes you might have more success with a publisher on Amazon. Almost 100%, yes. yes. I, if you write a slow burn traditional fantasy, I expect you to crash and burn on Railroad. Well, I want to prove you wrong. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I mean, Last Arellin is technically that, Who right? So, that? the Last Arellin. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, everything I'm saying here, this is my expectations, right? Mm -hmm. And honestly, all the skills is definitely a traditional fantasy. I'd say. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd quite call it slow burn because he does meet the dragon pretty dang early. I don't know what chapter that happened on Royal Road because I read it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. But I think on Royal Road specifically, you need to just have something because. The way it kind of works is if you can get someone to read the chapter three, they're probably going to read the rest of your novel. Well, 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 it's a new ad. 
If you're interested in having your story shouted out on this podcast, please reach out to me under critrpg.podcast at gmail.com. For now, I just finished the first book in my own series, Torchbearer. If you like a slow burn story about weak to OP main characters, mixing magic and technology and numbers going up, you might also enjoy this one. You can find the link to my link tree down below. And that's all for now. Thank you very much for listening and or watching. And let's get on with the show. Well, it's pretty yeah. statistically how that tends to go, unless you do some crazy crap midway through, right? Looking at the bounce rates, that's completely true, right? On Royal Road, you can buy an update and you can kind of look at the analytics and the yeah. user retention is a terrible, terrible, terrible metric, but it's okay. Yeah, We touched on this before, I think. What is one thing that you learned while writing that you would go back to and change? Oh, go back to and change. Hubris and genres, definitely, I think. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I haven't mentioned that would really... I think if it depends how far back I could go. If I could go all the way back to like middle school <laughs> or like right when I started writing, yeah, there's a big thing. I would start writing more seriously earlier. Oh, okay. I think the biggest thing that you can do as an author... It does not matter when you start, as long as you start today. And mm. starting today, you write as much as you can. Don't bring yourself out. You know, find a, a pace that you can do and just keep at it. And I think the other thing to really keep in mind when you're doing that, don't just like word vomit. You need to write and you need to be like, while you're writing, you have to think. One thing I've done is every new book I write, I usually focus on a new thing that I feel I didn't do that well in the last one. Mm -hmm. So in Morkster Chef... Like the characterization in Morkster Chef, I thought was very nice. I've always like found, I think my characterization's fun. That's the part I like the most. So I think that's where I'm strongest. Mm -hmm. But my world building in Morkster Chef, I think was very, very weak. Well, the world was just very, very empty. It was very, very character focused. And so when I wrote Steamforged, I tried to spin it in the other direction. I was like, I really want to go in on the world. I really want to, like the, the lore of the world, the stuff, all of that stuff. And I focused on it a lot more. But then I was like, mm -hmm. you know what? I feel like, I can't remember what the issue was in Steamforged, aside from the fact that the genre was a horrible, horrible decision. <laughs> but basically, every time I start a new book, I'm trying to fix one thing in particular. Mm -hmm. I'm like trying to improve on an area. And even chapter to chapter, when I'm writing a chapter, a lot of the time I'll read something that, you know, sometimes another author. Like when I had just started out, Blaze Corvin, he gave me some advice he probably doesn't even remember. So like you have two paragraphs. Mm -hmm. Never start both of them with the same word. Yeah. So if the first one starts with V, don't start the next one with V. And also don't have the last sentence of the top paragraph start with the same word as the first sentence of the next paragraph. Yeah, makes sense. Same thing, fairly logical, but I just never knew that. Mm -hmm. And so ever since, whenever I write, I'm like, oh, don't let that go through. And it <laughs> makes things just flow a lot better. Yeah. And another one is just like, it can be small things. Like don't write towards, write toward. There's no S. But I would always put the S when I was young. Yeah, me too. But I'm also not a native speaker, so. Because a lot of the time you write something and in the back of your head, you're going to be like, oh, that doesn't seem right. Mm -hmm. Like something about that wasn't perfect. Do mm -hmm. not sit there and edit it for 10 days. No. Put it out there. It's fine. Right? Let people tell you what it is. You know, if, if it's bad enough, people will notice at some point. I mean, obviously, if it is horrendous, rewrite it. I'm not saying put out garbage. But, you know, mm. don't nitpick over your writing in a web serial mm. because that's just not how web serials work, yeah. right? You're going to spend so much time doing it and you'd learn so much more. Like, even if you can't figure out what was wrong, 
if you just keep writing, you eventually will, as long as you're thinking about what did I do? Because you're going to kind of know the area was wrong. Or you're like, oh, the, the dialogue was weird or something. When would you drop a series? So it's probably a little different for me now, because if I was to start a new series and then drop it, like I do have at least some degree of a fan base that would have already started it. So what the problem with that is, it's harder for me to tell if a novel is going to do fantastic or not now. Because I'm going to have that initial boost that's going to push it up faster, right? Mm -hmm. So I could push up to Rising Stars and then crash and burn after that, mm -hmm. which would probably be the worst case scenario for me because now I'm deep into a novel that I've now realized sucks. Mm -hmm. But usually what I would do is I, at least for my, I would put it on Patreon first. And if I get good interaction there, I'd be like, okay, it's probably fine. But for someone who doesn't have a fan base yet, which is, I think, what this advice is targeted toward anyways, mm. or if you have a building a fan base, right? Mm. You have some, but you don't have enough yet. I would say your first month should tell you. Uh. When you launch, and again, this is only real road. You know, if mm. you're going to pop off on Amazon, that's totally different because it's mm. a different everything. We've covered it. But on real road, when you put out your first, like, you know, your first few chapters, if you aren't getting any clicks, like if no one's reading the book, the first thing I look at is probably the cover and the title. Mm -hmm. And if those, if you're convinced those are fine, and kind of just look at the titles on what is doing well in Rising Stars right now. Mm -hmm. And you'll notice a title with a descriptor usually works pretty dang well. Mm -hmm. yeah, like a quote, like, you know, square bracket, lit RPG, you know, sword dancer or something, yeah. right? Just yeah. literally telling people exactly what your book is because that's the best way to get new readers, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's like a little strange to basically describe your book in the title, but the more you tell people what your book is, the more the people that want to read your book will read it, right? Because it's easier to find. So I'd say look at the title, look at the cover. I hate promoting AI. I despise it, but I am also currently using an AI cover while my artist makes me a good one. Yeah. AI covers temporarily, please do not launch on Amazon with an AI cover. At that point, I feel like you need to be paying an artist. Yeah, I again, AI is fine if you wouldn't have hired a normal artist for it anyway. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, support your people. Yeah, I think AI cover on Roll Road is okay. Just because a lot of the time you don't have the money yet, right? Yeah. Or, you know, stuff like that. And again, if you have an AI cover, as long as you have plans to hire an artist and replace it, I think it's okay. But I'm not a fan of using AI on Amazon. I feel like mm. you're probably making decent money if you're going Amazon. I mean, maybe you aren't. You know, maybe you're self-pumping. But I still think if you're going Amazon, you should pay for a cover. Also, with how it's going on Amazon and with the entire automatically generated AI novels that have been springing up. Oh, God. Yeah. At some point, people will be able to tell if your book is a human-written book. And if it has an AI cover on Amazon, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot, maybe. Um, yeah, there's a good chance you will. So either way, I, I think Amazon is fine for Roll Road. It's not yeah. great, or, but you know, AI for Roll Road is probably okay. Make sure your cover is not terrible. Uh, it doesn't have to be amazing. If it's god awful, you are going to be scaring readers away. Yeah, unless you're writing a meme story and you have a meme cover, that's okay. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, meme covers work. The whole point of a cover is just to get someone to click on your novel. Yeah. So there's definitely a, a range of when it gets so stupid that it actually wraps back around. That could work. I'm not saying that everyone should do that. Please don't. We don't need that many meme covers. <laughs> but, you know, if that fits your story, you could get away with it. Oh. But, yeah, and if, if your cover is good, then, you know, when you're really looking at how launch is doing, hmm. I mean, having author premium helps. 
retention isn't useful in well no retention just sucks to look at it is useful uh especially for the first three chapters yeah what's the I what's the retention that people should have for the first chapter i think it's going to depend a little bit on your story because mm -hmm. certain stories are going to have like if your blurb properly represents what your story is mm -hmm. you're going to have more retention right mm -hmm. i would say like my rune band has like mid 70s retention okay. i believe mm -hmm. that's a pretty good number i think okay. anything over 60 is pretty solid oh okay wow i thought i was lost <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay <sighs> especially if you hit rising stars or something like that like you're going to get a whole bunch of readers that click off immediately yeah all right oh cool now i'm, I'm feeling re-energized i was like listening to you like checking in my head all the mistakes i'm making no still like if you have like over 60 percent, i think it's solid yeah okay because, because again, it's like it doesn't matter how many people have read it. it for retention. You're looking at do the people that do read it, yeah. did you get that? And also, again, who is not railroad? And yeah, if you find a publisher for your book, that can still yeah, you can still earn money off of it. Morkster Chef, I would say, failed on railroad. I mean, I've never heard of it before before I researched you, but yeah, okay. I think it had like six, seven hundred followers. So again, like still very happy with how it did. Oh yeah, that's but actually pretty good. I mean, it's, yeah. It, mm -hmm. it was not a large novel by any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. But it has like 700 reviews on KU. It's Whoa. done pretty well on KU. So Whoa. by no means is Royal Road the only option. Absolutely mm -hmm. not. I write targeting Amazon. Not like, I just got lucky with Runeband, right? Yeah. I, I think I'm going to steal this from Ray. Royal Road is great. For posting your second draft and your third draft on Amazon should be the goal. Yeah, I agree. Although I don't edit a ton. Like I do edit to a degree. I don't follow the very in-depth editing. I don't do dev edits. I do line notes. Unless I'm like, oh, I really messed up. Mm. All I want is grammar changes. Just because, you know, I'm putting stuff out pretty quickly. But when are you going to put in all the flowery words? See, I actually don't. I don't <laughs> think I'm that great at that. <laughs> I love reading it, but I think I like my prose very plain, mm. very direct. It's not beautiful, but it's very easy to read. It's kind of my goal. I mean, like, I wanted you to make a car metaphor, but I'm not going to because I don't want to insult any car people. So <laughs> if you have like an old, trusty car that gets from A to B, gets the job done, right? You don't need a Porsche to go to work. Yeah, I don't want it to be ugly or boring. I try to be interesting, but I try to be interesting through the story and the descriptions, not through beautiful prose. But I mean, I love reading some beautiful prose. Robin Hobb, oh man. Yeah, we talked about her, yeah. For me, it's like the best times I have writing is when either I'm writing something that like makes me laugh or when I have something that touches something, right? So I think for me, it's dialogue. And I've gotten a lot of shit from this from XK. <laughs> but I love writing dialogue to the point where there were times where I would write like a page straight of just people talking. Yeah. Not like just pure dialogue, but you know, like dialogue with dialogue tags. Yeah. There's another piece of advice. If you're new to writing, please use dialogue tags. It will set you so far above the average. It's massive. And by dialogue tag, it's just dialogue, text describing what the character is doing, dialogue. Mm. Like put them in between sometimes says is just fine or said right but as you said before actors like if, if that's something you're struggling with go out do some research and try again in the next book unless you're crazy and like quit your job and now you're trying to break into this you don't need to be perfect at the beginning you can literally just write for fun and 
I will actually suggest don't look at all the metrics on Railroad. If this is your first time writing a book, disable all metrics, don't look at them. Just post and interact with readers if they're nice. And as soon as they stop being nice, don't interact with them anymore. Go on like any writer discord, talk to those people. Keep having fun. Yeah, it definitely, it's going to boil down to what you want to do yeah. long-term. If you are starting writing for fun, but your goal is to go full-time, yeah, I would probably say, I mean, you're going to have to get used to people telling you that you suck and you're a terrible person and uh, your yeah. book is trash. So I would definitely say at that point, I would like get a taste of what it's going to be like. Like, uh, so I would accept that stuff just for the fact that like you might get something useful out of it. I don't, this is just me. I've always looked at that stuff. It hurts. Don't get me wrong. It screws with your mental health. It's bad. I've legit yeah, heard of authors who had to go to therapy for them because of their shit. So yeah, most of the authors I know do, and I probably yeah. should as well, but I don't cause I'm cheap. But yeah, it's one of these things where it's like, if it's messing with you, yes, absolutely turn that stuff off. In the end, all that matters is you are actively working to improve. So, you know, always just having that one thing that you're working on that you're like, okay, I want to fix that, you know, this chapter or this novel or whatever the case is. Doing that plus writing in a way that you're like, okay. Again, like I was saying, like that first month should tell you most times. I have seen novels that have been out for like two or three months just suddenly hit rising stars. Mm -hmm. So it's possible. But if you want my opinion on the objectively, like, okay, maybe not objectively, but the strategy that I think works the best, if you are going rising stars, if you're like, I want my novel to be as big as possible on Royal Road, and I will take the risks. Like, I'm willing to say, oh, this novel, this work might go up in flames, and I'm, mm -hmm. it might be worse than if I'd started it and then dropped it like six days later. Mm -hmm. I think the best way to do it, you have to have at least 20,000 words written. I would aim for more before you hit railroad. This is on your back end, so, which means all of this stuff that normally your readers would help you with can't do that now. You have to full send on the back end. 40,000 words is probably what I would suggest if you can get to that. If you can't, 20,000 is fine because you cannot get on rising stars unless you have 20,000 words. I think you can get on there with 10,000, but like the metrics are crippled. So you can't get the full algorithm on your side until you have 20,000. So have 20,000 be written before you upload. And in that 20,000, your first chapter has got to have a good opening. You have to have a good blurb mm -hmm. and you have to have a good hook at the end of your first chapter. Mm -hmm. I almost want to say it doesn't matter how long your first chapter is because people will usually read through the first chapter. Don't make it like 20,000 words. That'd be dumb, right? But you know, up to like 5,000, I think you can get away with. I know Void Herald really likes his long chapters. Yeah. Like, so you can get away with it. I would suggest keeping it around 3,000. But you know, mm -hmm. if you can't get to your cliff until 5,000, great. But make sure your novel, it kicks open and you get to that cliff as soon as possible. And with that, with your opening chapter that's strong, or at least you hope it's strong, because again, you can't find out. Now this is where like author discords are great. Posting that chapter. And don't ask people, is this good? Because a lot of the time, unless you have really good friends that are like, no, this is trash, rewrite it. Yeah. Most of the time, they're going to tell you it's great, even if it sucks, right? Yeah. This is just stuff for people who have decided, okay, now I'm going to go pro. Absolutely. Yeah. It's people who want to make money from it and who actively want to improve. I, I feel as though I have to underscore this again. It is okay to write this for fun until people tell you you're doing good. Yeah, Absolutely. 
and yeah, you definitely don't want to like kill. Like I still love writing. If you are writing to live and you hate writing, you screwed up somewhere. Like you got to pause, take a step back. Yeah. You don't want to kill your love. It's, I will say it's probably not as fun as when I wrote purely just for fun. Right. Yeah. But overall, like when I wrote just for fun, it was really, really fun when I wrote, but most of the time I didn't write, you know? Mm -hmm. And as opposed to now where it's generally fun, not always. And sometimes it sucks and sometimes it's great. It's just a different, you know, it's harder, mm -hmm. but again, it's a job now too. So mm -hmm. it's a fun job, but it is still a job. Mm -hmm. But yeah, once you get the 20,000 words, and as you said, this is for someone who is very much trying to get their novel to go wide. Like they want it, not wide, don't do wide, please. Mm -hmm. To get it to do well. They want a popular novel or they want the most people to read it as possible. Once you have that 20,000 words, if you go, you go to Roll Road and you just dump it. You dump like throughout the first day, all of those 20,000 are out. And you release somewhere between, I don't know, five to 10 chapters based on how long your chapters are, right? And then every single day, if you can, if you can't, every other day is fine. I would try to avoid going slower than that, if possible. You put out a chapter. So every day or every other day, you're putting out a chapter, you've got your 20,000. And if you did your first chapter right, which I'll be honest, on your first attempt, you probably won't have. And that's fine. Right? But if you did it right, and you know, if you maybe like you got some feedback from author servers, your novel will have an easier time hitting rising stars. And if you do that first chapter right again, it's probably going to hit rising stars. Now it is harder now than it ever. Like rising stars is very competitive. There's like all the shout outs that you have to get. But you don't need them. They help a ton, but you don't need them. So you can do it. But again, you know, if you can get shout outs, they help. Okay. <laughs> then, yeah, one book that you love. Like lit RPG product fantasy book or just book in general? In general. Let's see. I think the first, like the first two books in King's Dark Tidings are probably some of my favorite ever. Mm-hmm. I don't like super love the series after that, but those first two books are incredible. They're mm -hmm. so good. What's it about? It is, in my eyes, the ultimate OPMC story. It's basically a like a kid who's raised from birth as this super warrior. Like he learns every single type of combat. It's one of these stories where it's like mm -hmm. you have to just suspend maybe a little bit of disbelief. <laughs> but he's basically perfectly trained in everything. They call them skills, not in like the lit RPG way where they're literal skills. But like in the real world way, like sword fighting is a skill. And there, there's like some set number of them. And he's mastered every single one when he's like 18 or something. But the thing is, he's meant to be like this assassin. He's like this, this killer. And so he lives by the set of rules. But at the start of the book, when his like training is finished, basically he's going to get the last two rules, which are supposed to turn him into like this killing machine that works for the king. Mm-hmm. But what happens is there's a giant fight and the guy who's just telling the rules gets killed. Hmm. And so while he's dying, instead of saying like, oh, he's supposed to say like protect and honor your king. Mm -hmm. But instead he goes protect and honor your, and then like as he's dying, he sees like his friends in like a vision. So he goes protect and honor your friends. Mm -hmm. And basically what happens is the super killer now goes out and he's like, what the hell are friends and how do I find them? Huh? It's not like a funny story. It's a serious story, but there's a lot of funny moments mm -hmm. where because he sits down at a table with some random people and they call him a friend and he's like, oh, you're the ones I'm supposed to hang out with. <laughs> and so it's so good. It's just like you get a bunch of like really cool badass scenes intermixed with this very interesting 
process of him learning about the real world while still being a killing machine. What? Oh, it's it's so good. I highly recommend him. All right. Yeah. Actus, this was, this was great. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. Thank you.